You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. We got Luke Munger. We got Jack McCauley speaking to the third person here. <laughs> we're back for another interns podcast where we're going over some position groups this time around. We got the quarterbacks, tight ends, and offensive line. If you haven't checked out any of the other ones, go check out those on dogman.com right now. This is the last installment of them. And with that being said, Luke, how are we doing today? Doing good, dude. Um, just progressing along, right? As of this podcast, we are what two and a half weeks from the home opener. Yeah. Getting excited, Jack. I was going to text you in the morning, but I'll save it for this. We're a week and now one day away from the first locks pod on Cover Three, which I'm excited about. The week zero locks. <laughs> oh, I'm stoked. I I've been, I mean, last year I wouldn't even say last year. I mean. I really got into cover three this year. And th- those guys are great. If you don't listen to them, go check sure. them out. We're on CBS as well. Um, but yeah, a week and a half away. It really can't come soon enough, man. For can't sure. come soon enough. Uh, and we're going to get things going right now, kicking off with the quarterback position and talk about wins. Kalen DeBoer br- able to bring back Michael Penix for another yeah. go around. I don't know if even they, I don't know if they saw coming with his injury history. You'd think, um, he he would have left for the NFL after that season, but no, he's back leading the Husky offense, really shooting for that national title, and he's made that clear as well. He wants to go undefeated, um, but having a guy back who was in the Heisman finals, I mean, Luke, what do you got to say about Michael Penix that everybody else doesn't know? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I can't say anything that I feel like people don't know about Michael Penix yet at the same time. I feel like I could talk forever about uh, Mike. Obviously, sky's the limit for him this year. I think one thing that's awesome about Michael Penix is the work that he put in this offseason, getting recognized at the Manning Passing Academy, mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. He's kind of, it seems like, not necessarily on a pitch count this fall, but he had some arm tiredness that they precautionary rested. He's back throwing, which is good. And I think with Michael Penix, like, you know what you're going to get. Um, and there's just so many things, I guess. Like, I, I feel like I'm just a second away from going on a rambling rampage about Michael Penix. It's, so it it's so easy with to talk about Michael Penix and just keep going and going and going yeah. because of all he does. Um, but, I mean, I guess to, to put it plainly, the kid's a gamer. Yeah. Uh, he, he shows up in the biggest moments, it feels like. Doesn't shy away from it either. Um, just a great leader with an absolute hose for an arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only thing, the only cause for concern is the injury history. That's it. Being able to keep him upright is the most important thing that Washington has to do this season in order to win. And when he's on the field, you know exactly what you're getting. And the weapons that you got around him too makes it that much easier. For sure. Yeah, I mean, with Michael Penix, like you said, he's a gamer. I think one of the best things about Michael Penix or one of his best characteristics is you think of two of the biggest games last year, Oregon and Washington State, both of those games – in the second half, first and goal, threw an interception, comes back next drive, and scores a touchdown. Exactly. He's got a short memory. Um, he's able to go and focus on the next play, next drive, which I think is great. In terms of 
where you can maybe see a step up. I mean, obviously it's hard to pick nits with how productive he was last year. There were a couple of those like maybe red zone turnovers. He had a couple inopportune turnovers against Oregon State and UCLA. If I remember that, obviously the UCLA game ended up losing. Yeah. It's easy to, I mean, obviously though, a quarterback's can create turnovers, especially with how much he throws it. I think though, kind of like maybe minimizing those kind of unforced errors, like the first and goals interceptions. And then uh, what else was I thinking with Mike? I think another thing, just finishing drives. I think it'll be interesting to see if they try to find ways for Michael Penix to carry it in on his feet a little more to bust or to boost the Heisman campaign. We'll see. <laughs> but I think um, like what you see is what you get. And what we see is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And we're, it is hard to nitpick it, but all those things that you said, I think I, I would second that uh, as well. I think the biggest thing is just this decision-making. Sometimes he tries to be a little too crafty and fit something in like that Oregon game, for example, um, you know, sharpening that up where you, it helps just finish those drives, you know, a little bit. Uh, I think also too the red zone finishes, I wouldn't necessarily put on him as much as, you know, I guess some of the offensive line and running backs capping yeah. those drives off. But I think part of it is to him as well. I think, and you know, I think the Texas game is a great example where you're able to see some of that with the throws to Taj Davis, mm -hmm. uh, Jalen McMillan. You know, I think being able to help open up that for him and allow him to work is great. And if you can get some of his feet too, I think, I think though, as great as his feet have been at Indiana and even, you know, we saw it some at Washington, I think I'm more concerned about the safety than anything else. I want to see sure. him totally. uh, Absolutely. I don't, want, I don't want him down for a game. Uh, just because of how good he is. And that's not a knock on Dylan Morris. He's been excellent no. in camp, but Penix has been, I mean, everybody knows at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously are a serious diehard because I mean, we're the interns, <laughs> not, <laughs> nothing against us, but you know, if you're here, that's why, you know, you're, you're a serious diehard. So it's nothing said than done, but kind of getting over to Dylan Morris. This is a guy um, who, if needs to step in personally, I last year, if, if you would have told me this last year would have been extremely concerned to see Dylan Morris in a game, I would have. But right now, I don't think I could be more confident if he was in just the way he's looked in fall camp, his experience. And, you know, as we talked about Edifon Ulafoscio in previous podcasts, Dylan Morris is the guy who's first in, last out. Every And coaches say his work ethic is unmatched. Um, he's really got the offense down now. And I think being able to, you know <laughs> – we won't list he who shall not be named John Donovan, but um, <laughs> you know, having, having uh, a guy like Ryan Grubb being able to call the plays for him is, is going to, I think help, has helped his game and having Mike in the room has helped his development a lot. And so having a guy like him, I think as your backup is extremely great. If things go haywire. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think he's in, I mean, just kind of what you're alluding to more of a situation to succeed, I think here, but the reports have been glowing out of camp. He's a guy who has been at the school for a while. Now, obviously, is in his second year in the program, or I guess in the system with uh, Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer. Another thing about Dylan Morris is, like, w whether it's good or bad, like he's had some meaningful experiences at the University of Washington, the Utah comeback, the 2021 season had yeah. definitely – both bright and dark moments, but at the same time, like he's a guy who stuck through it all. You love to see the leadership of Demo in the era of the transfer portal to stick around um, at the university of Washington and really ride with the program. And I think that that presence is invaluable to the offense. Yeah, I think so. And kind of, as we, you know, like we did the, 
to Penix, you know, it's only fair to critique his game a little bit as well. I think, you know, if Penix does go down, something you have to see from Dylan Morris uh, is some touch. You know, I think he's got such a great laser, but he relies on that too much. And sometimes he's not able to make those, I guess, those pretty deep ball throws or, you know, um, just being able to, you know, get get something over the defense as much rather than through or fit a window. Um, I think getting his touchdown, and that's something we've seen in the fall too, and he's looked a lot better at. And then there's some decision making as well. Sometimes he might try to extend it a little, a play a little bit too long, and that mm-hmm. causes either a bad sack or um, an interception, which we've also yeah. seen in camp at times. So it's just kind of getting those down. But he has kind of like Austin Mack, the next guy I will talk about. I will say. It's, it looks like he's – as weird as it is to say for someone uh, who who's technically a, a red – he's a, what, a redshirt junior, senior. Um, he It looks like he's improving day to day. Yeah. And sure. he he is so smart. Um, he know, it, see, it really seems like now he knows this offense back and forth. And having a guy back up, you know, your All-American, Heisman can't, whatever, Michael Penix is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you said it all there. Moving on, like you said, Austin Mack reclassified to come to the University of Washington. Um, so I feel like everyone always jokes about when someone enrolls early for spring camp, like, oh, they should be a prom right now. Well, like Austin Mack should be starting his senior year. He should be starting like uh, his senior year. He just turned yeah. 17. Yeah. So crazy. But he's got a grown man's body um, yes. and has, by all means, it sounds like gotten some valuable reps. I think with Penix. Uh, being slowed down a little bit for part of camp has given him an opportunity to to take things in um, at an accelerated rate. And I think kind of with that accelerated learn, you know, like we said, the kids just turned 17. And as as much as Dylan Morris has improved from spring to fall and, you know, right now, um, Austin Mack approves literally every play. That if he makes a bad play, I feel like he's just so coachable. And like you mentioned with his stature and arm, he has all the talent in the world. He's he looks like a power forward. He's like six, 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 probably six, seven, honestly. Huge shoulders, cannon for an arm, can move well. Um, and if he needs to get in, I mean, obviously you can't expect much out of a kid who's 17 playing at a power five level. Um, but I think he is extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really looked good, and you know. You obviously none of his throws or most of them will be good, but the ones that have looked good, you're just like, well, I, I see why you're a high end blue chip four star recruit. Certainly, uh, because, because he he he's extremely impressive. He has all the tools. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think you said it all. Extremely physically talented. I think it's awesome for him to. I mean, obviously, trading a year of getting to play every Friday at school, but instead he'll be under the tutelage of Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer getting to watch Michael Penix and learn from him as well. I think that's a good trade-off for Austin. Uh, Moving along in terms of other pieces in the quarterback room, there's Alex Johnson and then transfer Will Haskell, who won't be able to play this year. Uh, So, Jack, how do you round out this this quarterback room? Yeah, Haskell won't be playing this year, like you said. Um, It's been interesting to watch him, I guess, work out in camp. You know, they're not going to get him in the team periods as much because he can't play. Um, but he's someone who has extremely great speed. You know, that guy's legs are a ridiculous threat. So, you know, he could be used in a variety of different ways. Um, and then Alex Johnson, I think him and him and him and Mac right now are competing for that third spot. Um, I would give the edge to Mac just because, you know, with his talent, they're going to want him to see more reps. 
in stuff. Um, but nonetheless, Alex Johnson coming out of Santa Barbara Community College, he's a guy who, I mean, obviously you probably don't, as Husky fans, you don't want to see. But if you see, I think he has a number of different intangibles. Um, he is, he's pretty long and lanky for his size. Um, he's got a pretty decent arm. He can move well. Um, seems like he's smart. But then again, like we said, it's just hard to get a great gauge on him just because, you know, you're way more locked in on Dylan Morris um, and Austin Mack outside of Michael Penix, of course. Excellent. Great. So one sentence to wrap up for quarterback rooms. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's elite. Uh, yeah. Michael Penix, he brings something that very few mm-hmm. bring within the nation. And he's the reason, the sole reason, or not the sole, but he is the biggest reason for Washington's success this year with how he, not only how he plays, I feel comfortable with how he's going to play when he's on the field, but injuries, you just got to, Pray and hope that he doesn't see any injuries because this guy is the most important piece and it's not even close um, for this team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sticking on the offense, we're going to go now to tight ends. Um, And that is headlined by a couple of senior options both from the state of Washington, one from the west side, one from the east side. We'll start from the guy who was initially a walk-on, Jack Westover. Jack, tell us a little bit. Oh, namesake. Yeah, Jack Westover, I feel like, is just like the definition of gritty. Uh, especially at a t- position like tight end, he's really the prototypical, I feel like, mind and whatnot you want there. Uh, he's got great speed, great hands. It feels like he's always making the right plays. Um, you know, he's not going to be as explosive as some of the guys that might be here. But he's just always doing the right thing. Uh, and, you know, he seems to be – he catches your eye every game, it seems like, just with what he does. Um, he's just – he's a great receiving threat. And I think with his experience too, um, I don't expect him to take a massive step up just based on his body type and whatnot as well as experience with how long he's been here. But he's somebody who is a key piece to this room and extremely talented. Absolutely, Yeah. Jack Westover, I'll never forget the 2020 season in particular. Uh, he took five handoffs. <laughs> so just to show the versatility, yeah. if you remember him lining up at fullback. But, I, I mean, I think it speaks to um, not only is he a good safety blanket, somebody that you can dump it off to or find near the sticks. He's not afraid to go fight for extra yards. He'll even he'll even hit the Y button or triangle yeah. if you're a PlayStation person and try to hurdle someone yeah. every once in a while, which he loved to see. Um but yeah, I mean, I think he's milked the most out of his opportunity at UW, and I think that translates into how he approaches each play. He's a guy, I think, who is gritty and determined. Now, going over to the east side of the state uh, from Spokane, Washington, we've got Devin Culp. Uh, Jack, tell me a little bit about Devin. Yeah, Devin obviously is very well known amongst Husky fans, but I'll tell you what, I think this is the year for Devin Culp. Um, last year, I just didn't feel like we saw that jump that people were so excited to see when when Kate Otten left. Um, but this is the year he's dropped about 15 pounds. He looks awesome. He's moving great. And then obviously, the thing of concern that people have gotten on his case about have been the drops. And the drops just seem like they haven't been there. 
um, this fall camp. I haven't noticed it at least. And that's before something that I feel like you, you pick up on and whatnot. Um, but, uh, don't see now, don't see now. And with, with Devin, he's been, I know he's been working really hard after practice. He's one of the last guy he's always on the jugs machines. I think he knows about the drops and he knows that criticism. He understood it. Um, but I think the way he reformed his body is the biggest change. Um, he's so quick, um, now, and, you know, being able to combine that physicality, he's been a great run blocker, turn that into what he, he was recruited here for as he was a wide receiver in high school, being able to use that speed strength and hands um, and put that all together. I re- I feel really good about the season that he's going to have here. And um, the ceiling is very high. Certainly. And you talk about explosiveness. He's a guy athletically that feels like he can be that true kind of down the scene threat. If he is able to kind of put the drops behind him, which it feels like he more or less has made strides towards doing excited about that. And to your point, I'm looking at PFF right now, both Jack Westover and Devin Culp uh, rank out among, I think Devin Culp is in the top three among pass blocking tight ends, Jack Westover top three among run blocking tight ends. So there are guys who impact the game in a variety of ways. And it's nice to have that variety. You can have one or both in at any time, and it's not a tell of what's about to happen. You can run it, throw it, whatever it may be. And there'll be a factor uh, on any down which I think is important. Uh, And then progressing along to the next round, I think there are a number of exciting options at tight end, starting with Quentin Moore, uh, a real physical specimen, another local product um, from Lake Washington High School by way of a JUCO in Kansas, I believe, independence. Um, And he's a guy that I think, similar to what people have been expecting from Devin Culp, expects a sort of step forward from Quentin Moore. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Quentin Moore, he's gotten high praise too, you know, uh, both uh, Grubb, DeBoer, um, even Sheridan, I, I don't know why I was blanking on his name, have all brought up uh, Quentin Moore, not only with how great he's been in fall camp, but also his expectations for the year. They really need to see him um, step up and be a key piece to this team. He has all the talent. He's he's a big guy, 6'4", 255, runs extremely well. He would have been, you know, obviously the – the community college thing, I think people look at and be like, oh, he wasn't talented enough to, to you know, to go Division One out of high school. But that's not the case with him. It was more of a grades thing. Took care of that in community college, got that in order, had offers from all around the country, chose to come back to play for Washington. And I think this is a guy who, as a third piece, if he steps up, this room's extremely deep. But outside of that, you know, if somebody gets hurt, it could get thin real hurry, thin in a real hurry. And that's why it's so important to see – quitting more on the field and playing well. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Now progressing, I guess, further through the room, a familiar name uh, from, I guess, the long line of Otten in Tumwater. Ryan Otten is entering now. What is it? Is third year already in the program or second? Second. Second. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Ryan, six six two forty three. Cade, uh, him and Cade are, are a little bit different. I actually know the Otten family, um, personally so uh i've been i've been around them quite a bit been able to see their person at both personalities as well as body types and such too uh kate i think just has a little bit more of that football mind than ryan uh but i think ryan is more athletic he's longer he's quicker all the measurables on paper are better for ryan i think it's just about putting it together and mm-hmm. he just hasn't really had a chance that he's been hurt mm-hmm. uh, really been bit by the injury bug since he arrived on campus. So I think that for him, it's just important to get him on the field so he can get yeah. reps at this point. 
it's hard to tell what he's done because he hasn't had that chance due to injuries. He's currently out in fall camp right now. Mm -hmm. So I think Ryan really got to try and get him back this fall to try and get some reps in before the season kicks off. Because kind of, as I just said, if the, if there's an injury with Westover or Colt, this group could really get uh, thin in a hurry. Certainly. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, just getting him those reps and then that opportunity also to develop, like you mentioned, kind of just that feel for the flow of college football and everything would be important to see. Um, Progressing along another transfer, not from Juco, but from FCS we have from Cal Poly, Josh Cuevas, a newcomer. Jack, tell me a little more about him. Yeah. Cuevas um, out of Cal Poly wasn't recruited really, uh, at all out of high school, but with Cuevas, once he entered the portal out of Cal Poly, every school came after him. Washington eventually beat Utah and Michigan out for his services. Two programs that not only are big time names, but those are probably two of the best tight end programs in the country um, outside of Stanford and Notre Dame, really. Um, you know, he's, I think he's an awesome ad. I think just for him right now, it's just about getting the playbook down and getting the system down. He hasn't had too much time to do that. So it's harder to tell his development based on that point. Um, you know, right now it's kind of like we said for Ryan, it's just about seeing reps. He's got to see mm-hmm. reps um, to really get things down because you can tell he's got all the talent. He'll flash at certain times, um, and you go, like, "Whoa, this guy's extremely impressive." But right now, it's about getting those reps and creating stability. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Finishing up with our last group would be the offensive line. This is one with it, – it's interesting. You have two returning tackles, but, but then in the interior, a lot of familiar names. Um, in fact, you'll see three people starting in the interior offensive line that have already at least started one game at the University of Washington, if I recall correctly. Uh, now, Jack, I guess we'll go left-right starting with Troy Fautanu. Yeah, with Troy, I mean, I don't even know if we need to talk about him that much because we know what he's going to bring to the table every single game, and that's stability. Uh, he's extremely talented. He's going to be an NFL guy playing on Sundays. Uh, I think personally he'll be a first or second rounder. He's just that good. He can play anywhere across the line. He'll probably play guard in the NFL, but for Washington, he's going to be a, he's going to be a uh, left tackle, and he's going to be protecting Michael Penix. He is – Probably outside of Michael Penix, he's probably one of the next most important pieces on this team because he's he's the guy who's leading the charge for keeping him upright. Um, and he he has done more than that since he's been here at Washington. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world at 6'4", 317. Carries a little bit of weight, but he moves extremely well. And yeah. those arms are very, very long. Um, I, I think, as most Husky fans are aware, he's going to be real exciting this year. Certainly. And then next to him is a guy who... Started five games in 2021, has some turns under his belt. A guy who, who I think, without having memorized what his weight was last year, has maybe trimmed down a bit this year, but is still no, a massive man, Julius Buelow. Even a couple years ago, he was right around the 340 mark. And, yeah. what, and he's gotten real light on his feet. Julius is a guy who I've actually had some classes with. Um, so I know him on a personal level. Um, and, you know, Julius, Julius is great. And, you know, something he told me is that that year, that 2021 year, he was just – 
the confidence wasn't there. You know, in fall camp it was, but kind of once that Montana-Michigan game happened, uh, you started to see his mental, uh, you know, his, his, I guess his mental toughness per se wear down, um, and he became prone to making just dumb plays. You know, you saw it with some uh, personal fouls or just even getting beat. But I think ultimately right now, being able to sit out a year, he said, was something that was extremely valuable to him, being able to learn, just get his and grow his confidence back while in the system. Now he doesn't have to feel like – he didn't really feel like uh, – does he didn't really feel like the guy last year, and that felt great for him. And being able to just trim down a little bit, move a little bit quicker on his feet, he has it now, and he looks like a dude out there on the offensive line. Looks like it won't drop off at all um, for where it was last year. Certainly. And then – Moving along, another guy who's started at both left tackle and center, a six-year yeah. senior now, Mateo Mele. Yeah, I think kind of like Troy, you know, it's just so great to bring some of these guys back who have experience not only um, at the position he's playing, but just all across the offensive line. You know, he knows, especially at center, that's your captain on the offensive line. He knows, um, you know, he just knows commands, snap counts, and being able to get all that down, just a real key guy um, on this line. Uh, Melee obviously was behind Luciana last year, who was spectacular. And I think he'll pick it right up, you know, right where it was left off. You know, mm-hmm. he had to come in during games last year and it didn't really feel like the line missed a beat when he was in. Yeah. So I think this is going to be something similar uh, this year with Melee. And then obviously behind them, I think you'll have, even even though they haven't gotten any reps, I really like Brailsford and Hatchet, man. Both of them are great. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, Mateo Melee going there for a quick second, he reminds me career projection wise of like an Andrew Kirkland from when I was in school, um, a guy who for a couple years now, I mean, he started at, at times early in his career. He's really been like the sixth guy on the offensive line for yeah. like a few years. And now he has an yeah. opportunity. He's had plenty of turns while he's not been a traditional starter. I think you're, you can be about as confident in Mateo Mele as any new starter by definition, I, I guess, in the country. So excited about that. We'll move along to right guard, Nate Kaleppo, Rainier beach product. Um, Tell me a little bit about Big Nate. Yeah, Nate is – this is probably the biggest guy on the offensive line. Um, he's weighing in about 327, 330-ish. He is uh, very stable too. I think that's just kind of the theme with the offensive line. Before Jackson Kirkland is able to come back last year, he was out playing some left guard. And I think having Nate Kaleppo back and starting, you know, at, you know, probably can maybe even get two more years out of him is, is awesome. He is so good. It just felt like last year when Jackson Kirkland was in, you didn't even notice him. And when you're saying that about yeah. an offensive lineman, that's a very good thing. Just didn't feel like he messed up at all or made any of the wrong moves. I think having him next to Roger Rosengarten is huge. And those five starters right there are awesome. And kind of getting to Roger Rosengarten, would love to hear what you think about him um, because I think that he can even take another step, a big step forward this year, as scary as that seems. Certainly. No, I mean, I think he's a guy that, was kind of thrust into action. I mean, he had a red shirt year under his belt, but then all of a sudden was the guy at right tackle. I remember reports from fall camp before his freshman year was that he was kind of taking some learning lessons from Braylon Trice and Zion Tupelo Fatui. Didn't really know what you were going to get. Uh, and then you got all conference level production. I think Roger Rosengarten at 6'6", 300 pounds is a legitimate NFL prospect as well. Um, he is a guy that's a preseason third team, all pack 12 or second team, all pack 12, depending on where you look. Um, and with how important it will be to buy Penix some time. And then he's protecting Penix's blind side. Like you think about left tackles, the blind side, 
for uh, Michael Penix being a lefty, it's going to be Roger Rosengarten. And I think Washington has a proven asset back there who will be one of the best pass protectors in the Pac-12 and was by PFF standards last year as well. Yeah, I think he's spectacular. And then kind of behind him, this is where I get a little bit worried, not necessarily the talent, it's just the experience. And I think that's just something to cause um, for concern. You know, you have Julius Bulow who could step out if need be, um, but then you got Robert Worsh is, is another tackle who uh, will be getting some reps in, and then Samuel Peacock as well. Both of them, I just, you know, I think offensive line something you want to have the stability and reps, and those are two guys who you haven't really had that from who are playing behind the two tackles, and that's yeah. me just a little bit just because of how important a position it is. Certainly, yeah, and I think in a situation like that, it got to that point. I think that's where the value of someone like – uh, Mateo Mele steps in where if there's an injury out at one of the tackle spots, you'd like yeah. to throw him over or do some shuffling and then have like a Parker Brailsford or Garen Hatchett step in at the center spot. Um, but that said, it, from a physical standpoint, both uh, Sam, or both Sam Peacock and RJ Worsh are kind of the traditional like Washington. I think the, the type of body t- type that Courtney Morgan likes to recruit kind of the, the basketball player looking long, tall, um, I say thin, but I mean, they're, they're going to be over 300 pounds, but yeah, you know I mean, right. Um, I do look, they, it kind of, kind of the same as I think to point it out with what Courtney Morgan looks for. He's not going to get any time this year, but uh, so on a Fasalo is a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. what and he doesn't even look like a lineman at all. He, he, he has no, <laughs> it's, it's crazy looking at him. He could, he's, he on go Huskies. He's listed at six, eight, two ninety does not look 290 he looks more like 240 which is <laughs> part so he could add, add, add at least 30 40 pounds and i guess kind of to go back to that point that's what they look for um kind of within the guard position we, we talked a little bit about the depth there and with mateo melee and parker brailsford those are two guys who can slide over but any other guy another guy i think that could do the same um and come out is jalen clem i think he could yeah. versatile and slide over to tackle guard wherever you need him as well Certainly. Yeah. I think that's a big pickup for Washington, former four-star recruit, if I remember correctly. Um, So I think, I mean, obviously he'll be learning, um, I guess, how things are run at the University of Washington, but has that versatility, like you said. Moving inside as well, a a couple names we've we've mentioned already, Garen Hatchett as an option at guard. I think guard Memelar, correct me if I'm wrong, would be someone else. Those two at the guard spot, if need be. Those two have experience. I think they 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 have a lot of talent and they both are they just seem really why why I'm stuttering like crazy stable when they're when they're out in those second team units uh, going for it. Those are two guys I think could step in seamlessly, kind of like a Nate Kalepo did last year. If something happens, it's more of the tackles where things get a little bit iffy and some shakeup might need. Certainly, yeah, I think I mean c- kind of a dumb maybe thing, but I, I think I've heard at least with one of them, Scott Huff described one of them at least as country strong. And that's kind of what you got with yeah, exactly uh, with both hatchets, I would say. And then um, guard Memelar, um, just big, strong, physical, kind of your prototypical interior offensive lineman. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, one thing about it, the benefit of having an experienced offensive line is Washington has, uh, five people projected to start who have started at UW. The drawback is with that much experience, uh, it's unlikely for the depth pieces to have had a lot of playing time themselves. So I think it'll be interesting to see where Washington is able to integrate these people early in the season. Perhaps if a game like against Tulsa gets out of hand, try to get them as many college yeah. reps as possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think the same thing and kind of to wrap it up as a, as a theme, you know, what are you thinking about the group? What's needed for success and what's already there for success? Yeah. I mean, Washington, uh, other, of course, than kind of an interesting situation with Jackson Kirkland last year and his eligibility, um, at the beginning of the year was dealt a really fortunate hand with health. I think that'll be important as well, especially on the tackles. Like you said, when you have a couple all conference candidates, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, with the three guys in the interior, there are people who have started before. So getting just down that continuity early before beginning conference play, I think will be important as well. Uh, and then as a theme for the group, Jack, you mentioned kind of earlier in the podcast with finishing drives. I think a lot of that will just come down to the offensive line. They did a great job of keeping Michael Penix on his feet last year, which you'd love to see again. And if there's one thing that the group can maybe take a progressive step forward in is kind of punching him in on that. Yes. Like, oh, yes. first and goal from the two, second and goal from the two, third and goal from the one, like what it was against Michigan State and things like that. Yeah, I agree. And I felt like they started to inch toward that toward the end of the year. But I think really stabilizing that and making sure those things don't happen, you got to put as much points up on the board to win. And I think the two things, like you said, that and I think obviously being able to stay healthy because I do, I really believe in especially those first five guys that step out. That first unit, I think, is not going to step off at all um, from what we saw last year. If not, it might be even a little bit better. I think that ceiling is higher. But after that, it, I think that there's not as much depth as we saw last year in case something does happen. So really being able to stay healthy and then obviously protect uh, your Heisman candidate is also something probably that's important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it would be. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think you can be confident in the group that sent out there guys who have experience playing for the university of Washington. And then Scott half obviously has a track record of producing uh, productive offensive lines. So uh, I think it'll be exciting to watch this group and what they're able to do in 2023. Um, and then that's it for the position previews. Jack, thanks for all the work that you put in, sir. Thank you, and go dogs. Go dogs. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.